You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Today we're concluding our September series. We have titled it, What Now? And if you've been with us, we've been sharing principles and lessons from the life of Jonah, from the book of Jonah, really. It's a small book in the Old Testament. He's one of the minor prophets, only four chapters. And, but we've been drawing lessons, four, uh, three lessons per uh, chapter. And there are four chapters in this book. So we're, we're tackling one chapter a week and today is the last part. Now, uh, I recommend you to go back and watch or listen. These messages are available on our YouTube channel, podcasts, Apple Podcasts, on our website. Uh, if you have been with us, you know that through this journey, uh, chapter 1 of Jonah, uh, Jonah turned his back on God. He turned his back on God and consequently he turned his back on his calling, on the thing that he was called to do. Chapter 2 is about God rescuing Jonah from peril because of the consequences that he suffered from turning back on God and on his calling. God rescued him and he used a, a very odd method, a fish. And Jonah spent three days in the belly of a fish. But something happened in the belly of the fish. He had a, a change in, in attitude. He repented, the scripture says. And he decided to go back and, and, and he said, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. So God gave him a second chance. And that's what we explored last week on chapter 3. Jonah had a second chance to answering his calling. And he went back and he did what he was supposed to do. And Nineveh listened to the call. And if you remember, he walked into Nineveh and he began to preach. Forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Forty days he began to call judgment on them. And guess what? They repented. They listened to Jonah, this one man... 120,000 people in that city. And he, they repented. Word got to the king of Nineveh. And he got everybody to fast. And God relented. God relented. And this is where we left off last week. And we pick up the story right here. Jonah chapter 4. Here's what the scriptures say. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry and he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live and the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? This wasn't like, I want to die because I don't like life. This was an angry, like, kill me now. Because this is just, I've had it. I've had it with all this. What do you do when you don't get what you were hoping for? And it's not just that, that you were hoping for something like a wish or a desire. When the right thing doesn't happen, 
when, when what it's right in your eyes doesn't happen. When you do your part, you do what you were called to do, but the end result is not what you thought or what you expected. See, this is not the expected reaction when you first read the story. You know, when you read the story and you, and you finish chapter 3 and you start reading chapter 4, this is probably one of the last things you would expect. It's another twist on the plot in this plot. It's another twist in this story. You know, if you want a happy ending as a reader, you got to ignore chapter 4. And you go back, you read chapter 1, 2, 3, you add, and the Ninevites have lived happily ever, ever after. And you kiss your kids goodnight, and you go to bed. That's the only way to get a happy ending in this story. If this book didn't include chapter 4, it would have been a great story. But chapter 4, it's a curveball. This is a prophet of God that disagrees with what God did. He simply disagrees. Not because God did something uh, uh, harsh. Not because God brought judgment or there was some kind of curse or some kind of plague. No. He is mad at God because God is too merciful. He's mad at God because God is too good. Has the goodness of God ever ticked you off? Has his goodness towards somebody or somebody else ever ticked you off? How more anticlimactic can this story get? People repented. They fasted. They said, we're sorry. God relents. And the prophet goes, uh-uh. No. Jonah didn't get what he was hoping for. So it wasn't just a matter of an unanswered wish, like I said. It's not just a matter of, I, I wish that this happened. It would have been better. It's just a matter of, of opinion. It was deep in his heart. It was a clash with his, not only an expectation, it was, it was to the core of what he believed to be right. Scripture says in Proverbs 13, 12, that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire, a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And this was his hope being deferred because Jonah wanted justice. Jonah wanted revenge. In fact, he said in his prayer, he's praying to God and saying, this is why I made haste. This is why I turned my back on you because I knew you were going to do this. Jonah wanted the Ninevites to pay for every atrocity and every injustice that they did. As we know through history that they were not kind. And Jonah, in this book, thought that a few days of fast and, and, and funny attire, a sackcloth for a few days, wasn't enough. So they just fast for a few days and they, they say, I'm sorry, and that's it. No, he wanted them to pay. He wanted them to have, have what they deserved. Jonah was sick to his stomach. How could you, God? How could you get them let, let them get away with it? I don't know if you've been there. I don't know if you've had situations in your life that you couldn't understand. You thought that the right outcome did not include a pass. 
they got a pass, a big one. Now we know through history that it didn't last because they went back on their, on their evil ways and, and they got judgment. But for a moment here, when you're in the moment, he couldn't deal with it. And here's lesson 10 in this, in this series. First lesson today, lesson 10. Be honest. You can be honest with God. God can handle it. God can handle your honesty. And this is what Jonah knew. He was being honest. He didn't have to pretend. He didn't have to come to God and say, All right, thou perfect, beautiful, wonderful Lord. Amen. And went his way. Not okay. He came to God honest. You know, maybe like Jonah, you have gone through situations and moments that left you puzzled. Maybe even right now you can think of something. You can go back in, in, in your memory and, and, you know, something that, that almost as though everybody else was happy but you. Like everybody else was boogieing into the night. and You were like, I just, I don't see this as a happy ending. That's how Jonah felt. Like God was happy. The enemies was, were happy. It's like you guys are having your own party and this is not right. And maybe you might have had a situation like that where you came up to God and said, God, how, how could he have done that? How could she have done that? And how can you let them get away with it? How can that be okay? If your circumstances have touched your core, if what you've been through has touched your core, you can come to God with honesty. You can ask him the tough, the tough questions. You can ask him the things that, that are bothering. You can bring it, bring it to, to him. He welcomes that. See, Jonah thought it wasn't all right. It couldn't end this way. See, we all face problems. We all face problems in our lives. And some problems are surface problems. Right? We have problems that we face that are just surface. You may have gotten laid off in the past. You know, company went under, you lost your job. It happens sometimes. You didn't pass that test because you had work and you had to study. You didn't have enough time, couldn't concentrate or retain information. And you had to retake the test because you didn't pass it. Or maybe you were stressed out because of an important deadline at work. And you know that the next two months are not going to be good. Because you're going to be thinking about that deadline and you're going to be working all the time. You know, maybe you had a financial emergency and now you have some debt. Those are surface problems. And they are surface problems because with time and with the right disciplines, it'll go away. You know, with enough time, you will pay off that debt. With enough time, you can study for that test and pass it again. With enough time, you'll find another job. With enough time, things will resolve if you have the right discipline. These are the problems that in your 20s, they seem so big. And then you go to somebody in their 40s, and they kind of give you that side smile like, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. And they don't even help. Just give that side smile, almost like, this is good for you. This is an opportunity for you to grow. This is character formation, all right? No, I want this to be solved right now. They don't even try to help you. 
Because if you've lived enough, you know that there are problems that we're going to save, that, they are sur- that we're going to face. They, they are surface problems. And with time and the right discipline, if you do the right thing, they can go away. The power is in your hands. But then there are problems that arise that they go deeper. The reason why it bothers you is a little bit more fundamental. It's a little bit more elementary. It goes deeper inside. You know, something inside causes you to see a situation in a certain light. And it's not like you can change it like that. You know, some, something other people see as just another event, just something else. Oh, that's all right. For you, it just, it turns you. It, it's, it's not all right. You, you, you feel the pain. Something that doesn't even come up on someone else's radar. For you, it's, it's horrible. It's bad. You know, or maybe it's the opposite. For you, everything is just fine. And you can handle it. And people on the outside keep asking you, are you all right? Is everything okay? I was like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm fine. No, no, really. Are you, are you okay? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. And they keep asking you and you're like, I don't see what they see. Is there something wrong? It's a deeper, deeper thing, you know. And there's a disparity there. There's a disconnect You know, it goes deeper than a season of bad breaks. It goes a little bit deeper than going through a storm. A little bit deeper than being swallowed by a fish for three days, so to speak. A little bit deeper than a season of incubation. It's it's deeper. It's more fundamental. The dissatisfaction that you feel just doesn't go away with time. You know, it's, it's a little bit more fundamental than unemployment or low grades or a bad break or stress at work. It's deeper than that. So to tell you, oh, it's a season. It's going to pass. You go like, hmm, I don't know about that. To tell you, oh, it's okay. Everything is going to be all right. It doesn't really cut it. Because it's there. And you're constantly reminded of it. You know, what are you supposed to do when what you got doesn't please you? I don't know if you've been there. You know, you walked to Nineveh, you did your part. You played your part and you did what you said you were going to do. You had a deal and the deal you thought you had is not the deal you got. And maybe that left you off a little bit disappointed. I know he would sing a song that said, you're never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down. And on the back of your head, you're like, yeah, he has. It's happened. Because there is this disconnect. And it's okay for you to say, God, I'm not okay with this. I'm angry. God, I don't know how this can I can't re- reconcile this. I don't know how this can fit in the story and the plan and the purpose that you have for my life. But at the same time that you are honest, you need another ingredient. This is our second lesson. You need humility. Because you got to come to God with honesty, but realizing still that He's God. And that he might see things a little bit differently than you see things. Lesson 11 is this. Be humble. Because God is teaching you. God is teaching you. He's showing you 
something else that you might not be able to see. The scripture continues, verses 5 through 10 on Jonah, chapter 4 of Jonah. Jonah went out of the city, and he sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat there in the shade. And he, he, sat, he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plan? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you do not labor. Nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Now, last week we talked about surrender, the importance of surrendering. And we talked about in that lesson that every calling takes surrender. But here we realize that there is a deeper level of surrender that Jonah didn't really engage in. See, he had surrendered his will. In other words, God, I'm going to go and do what you called me to do. But he had not surrendered his heart. Jonah didn't surrender that deeper part of him. It's like, I'll do your will. I'll, I'll walk and do whatever you want me to do. Your will is above my will. And even against my will, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because you're asking me to. I'll be obedient. I'm going to do this. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing for you to do something out of faith and say, God, I'm here. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. You know, this is the right thing to do. I know. But Jonah, in this journey, he had an interest in mind. He had, he had inside, deep inside, he had his version and his view of what is right and what is wrong. You know, in this journey, he sat up in a booth that he built to watch and see if demise would come to Nineveh. That's what he really wanted. And he couldn't take his eyes off of it. So he sat there. And God brought, brought a lesson to him. He, he was trying to teach him. The lesson was in that plant. Because Jonah pitied the plant. Yet he didn't pity Nineveh. See, like Jonah, our journey will come to a point. Where it'll go past actions. It'll go past what we do into our conviction. Our relationship with God is a growing relationship that will go deeper than just our actions. You know, it'll go past your, your, your actions into your belief system and some things that are more fundamental. And yes, God's relationship, God's presence in your life will affect your innermost parts. And you might be here this morning because you need something, and that's okay. You might be here this morning because you need to resolve something, and that's okay. You might be here this morning because you had a bad break. You had some bad things happen to you, and you need some, some peace. You need some, some hope, and, and that's, that's good. But the longer you walk with God, the more 
He's going to transform you and change you. And things are going to begin to change on the inside that maybe you didn't expect. Like your perspective, like your convictions. You know, as this is where there's an immense potential for things to get a little bit messy. Like it did with Jonah. But it is also where healing and deliverance and freedom and transformation happens. Right here. When you open your heart and you surrender your heart and you say, God, teach me. In humility, you can say, God, teach me. This is what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See, it takes a pure heart to see God. It takes a pure heart, a heart freed of misconceptions and, and a heart that is open and surrendered to see God. It takes a pure heart to recognize God in situations in different areas of our lives. It is when you surrender your heart that you can see who God really is. And maybe, you know, you've had a surface relationship with God. And you can have a surface relationship with God where you do the nice things, the nice things so you don't get broken again. Some of us here, you, we've been through some tough times. Things that have broken us. Things that have, that have confronted us. You know, and so you can do that. You can come and do the prayer thing and attend Sunday service and, and serve and help and do the volunteer thing. And, you know, and hopefully, you know, that'll be good to you and it will. But you can do that with a desire that it will prevent you from going back to where you were. Like that, that, that desire, like, I, I I'll go to Nineveh, I will do my part, I'll do what I ask, and I will obey and do what I'm asked. But I'm doing that because I've been through the storm. I'm doing that because I've been in the belly of the fish. And guess what? I don't want to go back there. I don't want to risk it. So I'm going to do this instead because this is a better option. In other words, I will serve God and I'll have a relationship with Him in order to keep bad things from happening. We're playing defense here. Right? I'll serve God because I don't want to be hurt again. I don't want to hurt again. I'll serve God because I don't want to go through another bad relationship. I will serve God because I don't want to be laid off again. So I'm going to walk the straight and narrow. I'm going to serve God because I don't want to deal with that addiction again. I will serve God because I'm running from my past and God helped me and I'm okay now. So I'm, I'm going to do that. But then something like this happens where God, God goes a little bit deeper and don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with those reasons. There's nothing wrong with coming to God because you've been through some pain. We all have. We go to God when we've been through difficult things. But there will come a time in your relationship with God when you will grow beyond that. It will happen. You will grow beyond that. And you will come to a point where your relationship with God will not just be about survival or safety. He's going to take you beyond that. It will affect your thinking. And it will inform your values. And whatever is out of line... You're going to feel odd about it. You're going to feel like, oh, man, I've thought this way my whole life. And now, I'm not sure about that anymore. It will address some of the bad ideas. You know, 
an idea comes up that you've had before and you didn't have a radar for it and now all of a sudden, man, I don't think that's a good idea. It used to be a good idea. See, that's because following Jesus is not simply a defense strategy. Following Jesus is not about keeping your light under the basket. Following Jesus is a transformational relationship that will change you from the inside out. Now, if we're not careful, we can have a relationship with God that is about ourselves. That, that it only functions and works if it, if it serves our values. It's only valuable to us if it comforts us. And if attends to our perspectives and expectations. That's what was happening to Jonah. That was the clash. That was the Jonah syndrome. Where what he wanted to happen to the Ninevites didn't happen. And God's sovereignty ticked him off. He couldn't see the compassion of God as a good thing. He felt so strongly. He defended his position. And this was... The thing that was so odd about it because he was so angry that the plant died. But he was equally angry that the Ninevites survived. So there's definitely a disparity of values there. He felt strongly. He was consumed with himself. With anger. With self-righteousness. You know, self-righteousness can make us... Put God in the wrong. We can be so sure of ourselves that we can't even consider that we might be wrong. And this is what happened to Jonah. So lesson 12 or lesson 13, uh, 11 in this series is be humble. God is trying to teach you something. And sometimes we just have to pause on our rage and our anger and whatever is, you know, causing us to just push back and reject what's happening and say, all right, God, help me see this in a new light. Help me see this like you see it and teach me. Change me if you need be. Change how I see things. Change my perspective. Help me. Which leads me to lesson 12 and the final lesson in this series. God wants our hearts. He sometimes, and this sounds obvious and simple, sometimes we can get so caught up in the doing and in the action and in the calling and in the walking Nineveh and the message and what I'm saying that's going to happen and, and, and the, these guys are going to be overthrown and this is the right thing and we can get so caught up in our ways that we don't realize this. God is not trying to impose his ways on us. That's not what he's trying to do. He's not trying to walk into your life and say, it's my way or the highway, buddy. No. He's trying to come into your life because he wants your heart. You know, he just, he just doesn't want your sacrifice, your stuff. He doesn't just want your time. He doesn't just want you to sit in this premium chairs here at Ripple One Middle School looking good. Y'all look good this morning. Seriously. I see some of the fall items coming back, some scarves and things. You guys are looking sharp. He wants your heart. 
He wants your heart. Not just your will. Not just your actions. He wants your heart. And there's a reason behind that. Last verse in this chapter. And you have read a full chapter of the Bible today, by the way. Isn't that great? Jonah 4, verse 11. God continues. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and so much cattle. Cattle speaks of wealth. This is the only book in the Bible that ends with a question from God. The only book in the scriptures that ends with this suspended question. It's an open-ended question. God speaks, asks the question, and the writer stops writing. I'm going to stop right here. There's no continuation. Like There's no like, and then Jonah realized that he was bad and that God was good. And he repented. Nothing. There's no goodbye. There's no like, Jonah shed a tear for Nineveh. Nothing. Should I not pity Nineveh, where there's 120,000 people who do not know any better? They They don't know their right hand from their left hand. They don't know any better. And there's also cattle. Should I not pity them? No resolution. The question just lingers. It's an open-ended question. Should I not pity Nineveh? You know, the word pity here means compassion. It means to cover. In other words, should I not cover their mistakes? Should I not cover their faults? They don't know any better. In their minds, they're righteous. In their minds, that is the right thing to do. In their minds, they did the right thing. See, Jonah and Nineveh were two peas in a pod. They were two of the same. So I believe that this question was being asked and it's left open-ended on purpose. See, because it really doesn't matter what Jonah's answer was. What matters is what our answer is. What matters is how we respond to this. God wants our heart. And is he allowed to do things in our lives and, and, and show his sovereignty and his compassion in a way that will go against our righteousness? Can he do that? And can we be okay with it and submit to it and learn from it? And it's not just about us too. Should I not pity Nineveh? See, how many people around us who are living their lives aimlessly and don't know any better? Think about that right now. Think about people in your life, in your life, who are making bad decisions, who are making poor choices, and you go like, again? Again? We have talked about this. Again? You're making that decision. You're making that poor choice. They don't know any better. And the question that God asks is a question that we should ask. Should I pity that person? Should I pity the gritty? Should I pity the homeless? Should I pity the destitute? Should I pity the criminal? Should I pity the thief? Should I pity the angry boss? Should I pity the co-worker who's a gossiper? 
Should I pity the nosy neighbor? Should I pity Stanford? Should I pity Connecticut? Should I pity New York? Should I pity Fairfield County? Should I pity Westchester County? See, I know we all have problems. Every single one of us. And I know that a lot of our problems are connected to people. Other people. And sometimes that can cloud our vision. That can cloud our judgment. Cloud the way we see things. And we cannot forget that God is looking for our hearts. Because not only because he wants us to have a healthy life. He wants us to you know, be healed from offenses and, and to learn to forgive. But he wants us to be a conduit of his mercy. What Jonah didn't realize is that he was used by God to save Nineveh. He was the Savior's mouthpiece. The words that he brought brought them conviction. The words that he shared and he spoke brought them conviction and repentance. And that's the reason for celebration, not for anger. But Jonah had stuff in his heart because the Ninevites hadn't been kind to his people. He didn't realize that he was being a blessing to people who needed God's blessing. And that's you and I here today. You know, we can gather together on a Sunday, and I love it. We can come here for ourselves, and that's okay. And we can pray for ourselves, and we can go to connect group for ourselves, and we can sing for ourselves. Didn't the worship team do a great job today? Yes, they were awesome. We can grow for ourselves, but I believe God's question should be our question. Who should be here with you today? Who should be sitting next to you? Who should be going with you to a connect group, enjoying this life? Who do you know that needs the voice and the life that you have? Who do you know that needs you to walk into their lives and speak hope and speak grace and tell them, hey, there's a better way and tell them hey things can change for the better question we should constantly ask is should I pity them in other words should I have compassion should I cover their faults and the answer is yes yes do you know why because he did it for us See, we can never forget what our salvation cost our savior it cost him everything. It cost him heaven and earth. It cost him his whole life. Sometimes we don't want to risk a friendship. Sometimes we don't want to risk our street cred. Sometimes we don't want to risk our reputation. See, I never want to live a kind of life where God's love doesn't compel me. And this is what Jonah was living. God's love for Nineveh didn't compel him. He was indifferent about it. Let me tell you, God loves Stanford. God loves Fairfield County. God loves Westchester County. God loves your family. God loves your work coworker. God loves your boss. God loves our mayor. God loves your neighbor. God loves your husband. He loves your wife. God loves your cousin. 
God loves them. Should we pity them? I want this question to linger in our hearts this morning as I call the worship team. See, Sunday is here. They are for us, yes. But they are for others too. Why? Because He is a gracious God. He is abounding in mercy. He is relenting from disaster and His love is steadfast. And that is good news. That, my friends, is good news. So you may be asking, what now? What do I do when the situations in my life do not agree with my perspective and the way that I see them? What do I do when things happen that I don't think they're right? What now? Remember, be honest. God can handle it. Secondly, be humble because he's trying to teach you something. Thirdly, remember, God wants your heart and he wants to use you to help others. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Amen. We're gonna sing.